Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. This is Chris coming at you from the Cat Cave for the intro. Off the bat, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Please give us some feedback. Believe it or not, we've gotten some feedback. It feels really nice. We've gotten some nice emails and Facebook messages, even if it is just from my parents. No, I'm just kidding. We've, I did get a very nice email from my father, and I gotten some great feedback from friends some facebook messages some email you could let, send us a message on facebook at facebook.com slash let's us chat this episode is with topher davis it was a lot of fun to record it was without mike unfortunately at the, about an hour before we were about to record due to some unforeseen circumstances mike wasn't able to make it i had you know i let topher know what's up and that it would just be me. If he was still comfortable, we could still record. Uh, Mike is really our tech guru. If you noticed the last episode, the sound wasn't perfect either. That would be because I'm still learning. But uh, Topher had really rescheduled his entire day about coming down to record. So he said, let's just do it. Man, we had so much fun recording. I don't know how, but we talked about Nickelodeon for longer than two men should. I don't know. Maybe there's no amount of time that men shouldn't talk about Nickelodeon. I do hope it is fun to listen to as it was to record. I gotta say, this podcast thing has been a blast. I'm recording this intro on Monday night. And Mike and I are recording tomorrow with another guest. We're very excited. So let's get into it. Here's our episode with Topher Davis. You just drove down here from Mass, and how is the traffic to... Good PBD in the cat cave. Oh my god, the traffic was horrible. Providence is not very intelligent. They have exit 22 closed, which is like the main exit to do anything in the city. So I had to do a lot of uh, back road driving on roads I don't know to get here, but I got here. I live here and I had the same experience. They shut 22, so I thought it'd be smart and I got off in like Pawtucket. I don't even know. That, I'm not even familiar with that town that I live here. And, um, just a nightmare again here, and then I got lost because I kept missing my right trying to take, and I'm going from downtown, and I don't know what it is, I've only seen this in Providence and like Worcester, people block the box, if the light is red, they speed up, and then they park under it, and then nobody can go, I yep, pretty much, don't know why that's a thing, I have a couple friends from New York, and uh, they can't believe the way people drive in Massachusetts, so and that's New York, how we, but they're not from the city, they're from upstate, so. oh, okay, like how we, if we need to take a left-hand turn, oh, you're taking it, and one lane isn't letting us out, we just force our way out yeah. halfway and make everybody wait and wait for the other. They call that pulling a Massachusetts, because apparently <laughs> nobody else in the world does that. That's how I learned to drive. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah. that's what you do. If you well, can get out into one lane, you park in that lane and wait until somebody's going to let you go in the other lane. Yeah, but that's upstate New York. I went to school in Vermont on that part of, and like on the upstate New York uh, border. There's just no people. There's no cars. There's no traffic. It's like it's a different world. It is a different world. Have you been up there? I have. Did you have Stewart's, the best gas station ever? I actually, I drove out. I used to um, date this girl, Katie, who's still one of my best friends. She's one of the girls that I know from out there. And I would drive out there in like the summer to see her because she was. Um, interning at Binghamton University, so I would go out, and there's actually Worcester, New York. Oh, wow. I drove through. It's not a city. It's a small town, but it, it was really weird. Like, you see it. It's spelled the same. Everything's the same, 
but nobody can say Worcester. 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 <laughs> Which is so weird. There's a Worcester, England. There's a Worcester in Pennsylvania. There's a Worcester in New York. There's Worcester, Mass. You think Worcester, England was first? Worcester, England was first. That's yeah. our that's our sister sister city. Oh, I'm from in Connecticut. Is Meriden? I guess there's a Meriden, England. I think they. I assume they call it Meridian because it's much prettier. English people are better. Oh yes. Oh, I'm from Meridian. Meridian. Would you like to go down Meridian with me? If you notice how English people, there's like the classy English accent, well, that was not it. And then there's like <laughs> the dirty, like pirate English, and like, bloody wake up, you understand what they say? That's Cockney, they call that um, Cockney. Yeah. English. Like if you watch um, My Fair Lady, have you ever seen that? First person to bring up My Fair Lady on the show? I, uh, I had an ex-girlfriend that made me watch it, and I fell in love with Audrey Hepburn, but she basically has a nasty Cockney accent at the beginning and she sees this like English professor guy that's trying mm. to teach her proper ways of speaking and so he turns her up. They did a Family Guy um, uh, parody of that once where Stewie's seeing this little girl who's like, Oh bloody hell! Oh, and then they like make her prim and proper and she's mm. like, Oh hello Stuart, nice to see you. But then she's coming downstairs and she's like, Oh bloody hell, I've gone and wet myself again! <laughs> Almost, <laughs> almost. There we are. <laughs> there we go. So I kind of stopped watching Family Guy. I used to be really into it when I first started. I'm a huge fan still. I know it's it's not as good as it used to be, but it's still it's like really intelligent for a cartoon. Sure, there's like you know fart jokes and stuff. Yeah, like well, that, but South it's all like musically that. based and very yeah. intelligent. You'd have to have a good amount of knowledge to get. Everything in there. Zach McFarland is a genius. He is a genius. I mean, besides I Family know. Guy, American Dad, Cleveland Show, um, he's producing The Cosmos, he did Ted. Ted is the best, um, one of the best movies ever. It's so funny. Movie. It's so funny. It has, he has that new movie that looks fucking incredible, um, A Thousand Ways to Die in the West. Like a live action comedy about, uh, like, Old West. Like the previews had me on the floor rolling around. I haven't seen a preview for that. Uh, I'll have to check it, it out. It looks so good. Uh, and then he's, like, the reason the, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos is going to be on Fox at 8 o'clock at night, which I, I can't wait for. And he's a huge science geek, which is awesome. Yeah, you can tell that he's into science, and he's Smart. into old TV shows, which I grew oh, up yeah. watching, like, Nick at Night, so mm. yeah, me too. when I was growing up, I always knew the shows from, like, the 50s to the yeah. 70s. I Love Lucy's still one of my favorite oh, shows. Oh, yeah. Here. And he does flashbacks to, like, I Lucy and the Honeymooners and all that kind of stuff. Because isn't the intro to Family Guy just, like, the, um... It's, like, all in the family. Yeah, Archie Bunker? Yeah. Archie Bunker. Archie! Down with the piano. I'm Archie! <laughs> to the moon, Alice! What do you want, eat it? I know Stewie <laughs> is just, like, supposed to be, like, a Rex Harrington. And, which I only know because I heard him say I don't know who that Rex is. Rex Harrison. Oh. That's the guy from My Fair Lady. Oh. That teaches Audrey Hepburn okay. to speak properly. I heard him say that. That's how he talks. And just like this. And I know he, um, they use a, like, a live orchestra for everything. I know, it's really, I mean, it's he's really a, a really good show. He's a wealthy guy. Like, that is a man that doesn't need to work, but he does everything. He didn't need to work after Family Guy's first run, but he went back and did it again when they asked him to. But he still does voices. He, he does. He I does mean, he's almost all the voices. Director, producer, I think he's done some animation at some point. He's... I think, is he a Risby guy? I could be wrong. Or no, no, you are I. I know he went somewhere in Rhode Island because he said he based Peter's accent on somebody he like went to school with or a teacher. Security guard, right? Yeah. 
I know there was, I don't know if they ever did it, but there's supposedly a tour you could do on Rhode Island, like in a bus of Family Guy. I have to do that. I don't know if it's existed or not. I know they do that with Sopranos, which I thought about doing, but I have to search for that. I, yeah. Honestly, I have not started The Sopranos yet. One day. <coughs> I plan to get to it, but right now I'm catching up on a lot of old shows that everybody's seen that I haven't seen yet. I'd like so. that. So we were talking about Arrested Development at work the other day. We were. Arrested Development, when it was first on, I saw an episode or two, hated it. I thought it was awful. But that was like the first single camera sitcom that I was ever exposed to. It was before The Office and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought it looked terrible, had terrible production qualities. But since then, I've fallen in love with Jason Bateman's acting. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, yeah. I wanted to go back and see if I liked it now. And I do. I just started season four, which is the new season that I like it. Out with. A lot of people do, but it's a little more far fetched than the original. And mm-hmm. um, you also remember it's what, like, ten years later? Yeah, it's like ten years later, and some of them still look the same. Yeah, Michael Sarah. Some of them just look a little older, and Jason Bateman looks a little older. But um, Portia de Rossi, what happened to her? I don't know. Everyone, she looked weird, and she's she a beautiful woman. Weird. I don't know if she got lip injections or facelift or what she was hot during the original run and now i'm looking at her going but she's still gorgeous she wasn't talking i wouldn't know that was her because she's still gorgeous when you see her with ellen in like the oscars or whatever i know i don't know something and a lot of the internet react to that i will say that um that show gets better on the second watch yeah i'm on my first watch now but I, i i'm really a big fan the I still get very uncomfortable. Like every time Tobias talks, says anything, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm like cringing. <coughs> and whenever Michael, Sarah, and maybe are like about to make out or something, I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, go. Oh wait, oh, that's yeah. so wrong. No, no. But then, uh, spoiler alert, it ends up being that they're not really cousins. Well, they make fun of it the whole time. They do. But um, Tobias is just so brilliant. gay. I know. And so trying to hide it, and it's so awkward, some of the things he says. <laughs> oh, I just blew myself and stuff. That's the most famous line, obviously. The other day I was watching, I don't know if it was the end of season three, I think it was the end of season three when um, they were looking for a place other than a boat, because uh, Buster's afraid of boats now because he lost his hand to a seal. A loose seal. <laughs> a loose seal. Loose seal. Loose yep. seal number two. But... Um, <laughs> He said something about uh, he hired like the cops that strip to come the boat, but he was like, "Well, we can't call them hot cops. I want it to have more of a nautical theme. Like, maybe hot." He was about to say hot semen, but and they stopped it. Yep. <laughs> they stopped that. Oh my god! It's so, <laughs> so did you understand? Like, not understanding. You're a bright, smart guy, but the amount of underlying making fun of the Bush administration because that's when it aired in that time frame. And you have to go back and watch it. Like, there's that one scene where Job, uh, Buster picks Job out of the, um, uh, Lucille smokes the pot and then crashes through the banana stand, and Job is <laughs> caught in the banana stand, and then he comes down with a claw machine and he picks up, uh, Job and drops him into the water, and the joke is you can see a noose that, that hangs out if you watch it very, very closely, and that's because that's right around the time he hung Saddam Hussein. Oh, really? Like, no, I didn't Everything know. in that show is very critical, because... I had this crackpot theory, which I, I think it got canceled because it was criticized. It criticized the Bush administration because Colin Paul's son was head of the FCC at the time. But obviously, reality is no one watched it because it's not a good show to watch week to week. It 
sucked. Like that's I, oh my god, where are you? It does old? flow better Netflix binging. Where that I mean that came out pretty Netflix. DVDs were around. I mean, DVDs have been around for a while. But you have to wait till the end of the season, then they put out. Yeah. Like, now that I can go back and watch them all back four seasons for the past two or three weeks, that's all I've been doing is watching that. And besides my Sunday night shows, I've been watching that. I think Family Guy might be one of the first shows I bought when it came out on DVD. Around that time frame, I got really into DVDs for a while, and I remember buying Family Guy on DVD when it came out. It got canceled. And then the, the DVD sales and the adult uh, cartoon network first show ever to come back from the dead. I mean, oh, yeah. Rest of Development it's came back from Rest of Development come back now, but I'm worried about their like future trage- trajectory because the creator is basically saying, "Well, the original plan was to do a movie. I still want to do a movie. Maybe we'll do another season after we do a movie, but I want to do a movie first. And Jason Bas- Bateman, I just read. Like in January, said he has no idea what's going on with it. As far yeah. as he knows, they're writing a movie, but he hasn't seen any scripts mm-hmm. or anything. So, I don't want it to get drawn on for like another ten years they before we have will. a conclusion, you know. But that I whole mean, that whole before this new season came out, every month there was a new news, new movie, and all, all diehard fans just gave up. And then I don't know. There's something to say when things end at the top and it's perfect. I like the fourth season, but like Seinfeld ended, and you'll I don't remember Seinfeld. For what it is. I mean, they Jerry were said something about that. I can't remember if I was watching. I can't remember if it was comedians in cars getting coffee or if it was just an interview I saw with him. But he basically said that they wanted him to do at least one more year of Seinfeld, and he was kind of in charge of whether they did it or not. And he had a meeting with all the other actors and said, "Listen, we're America's darlings. Everybody watches us. Everybody loves us. We are on top right now. We can't." do another season. I'm not comfortable doing another season. We don't want it to turn into, gee, that show used to be good and now it sucks. We want to exit on top. And that's what they did. He turned down like $36 million for one season because he cared about the integrity of the show, which oh. I think is great. And that you're ta- oh, and speaking of shows that got bad at that time frame, Friends. Because you don't talk about Friends the way you talk about Seinfeld. Anyone. Anyone. You know, I've never... I, I watch Friends once in a while, like if it's on and they're, like TBS has two episodes back to back or something and there's nothing else on, I'll watch it. And it's funny, but for some reason it's one of those shows that I never like watched beginning to end. Yeah, there's only the first maybe three or four seasons are gold, maybe even five, I don't remember. There's some episodes where Friends are classic, but it got so bad. I mean, Aisha Tyler comes in for some point, and but like at season like 10, I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, like, I liken it to, like, Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold was a fine show, and if it was on and nothing else was on, I would watch it and I'd enjoy it, but for some reason, when I saw it in the TV guide, I was never like, yes, Hey Arnold's on, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to watch that, and then I'd end up back to it because there was nothing else on. That's kind of like how Friends is for me. Move it, football head! (laughs) (laughs) I'll go past it. And then notice that it's on. Nothing else is on, I'll come back to it. I'm going to ask you an embarrassing question you don't have to answer. Sure. To the listener, if they've gotten this far, did you watch the Hey Arnold movie on Netflix in the last year of your life? I didn't even know there was a Hey Arnold movie. It's on Netflix. Really? And we find out what happens to his parents. I haven't got more than like ten minutes into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you remember loving something, and you're like, eh. isn't that awful? I'll go back. Like Rocco's Martin Life was one of my favorite things when I was a kid, and Ren and Stimpy. And both of them, I'll go back now and try to watch, like, if it's on the Nicktoons channel or even just clips on YouTube, and 
it's just so bad. It's like stoner comedy, and I'm mm-hmm. not a stoner, so I just, I can't, I can't get into it. Even Rugrats I tried. I thought it was so good. Rugrats was one of my favorites. Me too. Doug I still like now. Oh, yeah. Doug was so good growing up. Do you remember the theme there. song? And then the end is like, in the little lights. Unreal Monsters was on Netflix a while back. I did not like that show. Held up real good. Didn't like it growing up. Do you remember Hey Dude? I do remember Hey Dude. Sucked. You know, I went a couple years ago. I worked at AAA and I had a lot of downtime during the day, so I'd basically sit at my desk on the computer until somebody came in and needed help and just research random shit on the internet, mm-hmm. which I still love to do. Yeah. I'm a encyclopedia of useless information. Yeah. I just look all day long at things that I think are interesting. So I look back at all the Nickelodeon shows I used to like, and like, Hey Dude was on, was being played for like 10 years. They only recorded one season. There's only 13 episodes of that show. Oh. And they just kept replaying them and replaying them and replaying oh. them. Same thing with like, I think Double Dare was only actually recorded for like three seasons, but what? I watched it from when I was like one until I was yeah, like ten. Forever. And what would you do? What would you do? What, 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 uh, what would guts. You do? Yep. Michael Malley. Yeah. Mo. Mo Rock. No. Mo Rocca. Mo Rocca isn't someone different. But her name was Mo. It's funny that because content was even so different then, even when we grew up, which isn't even that long ago. We were around the same age, and but just the thing, because I think I remember watching Nickelodeon at my grandma's, and Hey Dude would always be on. So in my mind, I thought that show ran forever and ever. Now to learn there's only one show. Exactly. I was amazed when I went back and said, oh, wow. You know what the one show was when I uh, grew up, when I was first born until I was like three, we lived with my grandmother on my mother's side, and she refused to let me watch You Can't Do That on Television. And I loved that show. That was one of the first Nickelodeon shows. That's where, like, Gak and the slime Mm -hmm. and stuff first came into play, and I thought it was hilarious. I was not allowed to watch it, so I tried to like sneak it. My mother didn't see what the big deal was. My grandma was like, "No, that's a terrible show. I need to go back and find episodes of that to see what was so bad that they didn't want me to see." Am I confusing that with Roundhouse? Is that the one with the chair, the toilet chair? I am not familiar with Roundhouse. I have these vague memories. I have an older brother, so I got a little bit of the stuff that he would grow up with, and then I have memories of stuff that I can't even like put my finger on it. Do you remember? Since we're talking about old Nickelodeon shows, because. I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> Neither did I. Uh, God, it was like, Welcome welcome Freshman. I don't welcome, remember yes. anything about it, but for some reason, I can, like, I have one image of it, and it's not Saved by the Bell, but it's, I, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I think, I mean, I know I went outside and did stuff as a kid, but I just really liked television. It was basically like the poor man's or little kid's Saved by the Bell. But it was pre-Saved by the Bell, right? It came out before Saved by the Bell, yeah, but it was on that same kind of line. Should we go television nerdy? Saved by the Bell actually was the second version of Good Morning, Miss Bliss. It was a spinoff. I didn't know that. Yeah, they started, I think it was called Good Morning, Miss Bliss, or maybe it had a different name. And then Saved by the, it was most of the same characters, but there was different, and Screech and Zack. And I'm going to stop talking. You know, Screech is one of the biggest assholes in the world. Fuck that He did like a porn movie. I know. On purpose. On purpose, yeah, and sold it because... He was trying to hold on to what little fame that he had. And he's even like, but he's like such a douchebag. And you watch the show, and he's like this dorky fucking. I know. 
And then Mario Lopez is America's sweetheart. Exactly, everybody likes him. And like, I I should hate Mario Lopez because he's so fucking charming and good looking. And I've seen those dimples and okay, <laughs> that's fine. Or even like Mark Paul Gosler will go on Fallon and pretend to be Zach Morris, and you're like, oh, he gets it. Yeah, I haven't seen him do anything until I saw on Jimmy oh. Fallon when he came out dressed basically as Zach. As Zach. He did uh, what Dead Man on Campus. And uh, I think some NYPD Blue. I don't know why I'm telling you Mark Paul Gosler's. I mean, he's kind of like. And I think he did the USA show. He's one of those people nobody really cares about unless they're doing. He's, he's like Dave Coulier. When he's oh, reprising yeah. Joey from Full House, everybody's yeah. like, oh my god, I haven't seen him forever. But if he was in something every week, they'd be notice. like, oh, I don't give a shit. I would see him do stand up if he came around. I don't know if he's a stand up. Uh, I know he was, yeah. I don't know if he still is. He does do a lot of impressions, which as a kid I thought were great, but if you go back and watch Full House now, all his impressions sound exactly yeah, the same. Yeah. Mr. Woodchuck? Mr. Woodchuck, he does the Three Stooges. Yeah. I mean, did you see Fallon? Of course, we're both obsessed with Fallon. I love Jimmy. When he did the Full House thing with uh, John Stamos. <clears throat> yes, that was great. Oh, so how old were you when you found out that Bob Saget was not really like the entertainer and a disgusting, filthy... Hilarious comic. It was, I was older. I want to say it was about seven years ago. So I was like 20, 19 or 20 because the Aristocrats movie. <gasps> yes! And Same here. I was at my friend's house and I had heard about it and demanded that we like rent it, find it somewhere, see it somehow. And we rented it and I didn't know what to expect. I heard it was something about this joke. But basically it's a bunch of comedians telling this joke with the same punchline in a million different ways and it's just supposed to be as filthy and nasty as possible so there's bob saget he's not first on the dvd so i'm watching everybody else and they're talking they're saying horrible horrible things and then there's bob saget who i loved as a child as danny tanner and narrating america's funniest home videos saying piss shit fuck cunt all these awful words and i was like oh my god so then I went on YouTube and I was Googling things about him and I ran across, I don't know what the guy's called, but he's, ba- he's, we shouldn't talk about this because we're both in human services, but he's basically mentally challenged and when he gets upset, I think he has Tourette's syndrome, and when he gets upset, he go, instead of swearing, he's like, oh, Bob Saget! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Have you seen please. that? No, but I'm going to YouTube that later. Oh my god, he like, the cat's freaking out on him, he's like, oh, Bob Saget! Oh, fuck! That's actually kind of funny. And then there's also a Bob Saget clip or a voiceover on something on YouTube I saw once where he's like, there's shit everywhere! <laughs> I was just dying. I can't pick... Even now, like, if I watch Full House if it's on and I see an episode, I'm like, oh. I forget that he's so dirty and I go back to as a kid. Uh-huh. Like, that was comforting and what that was Friday nights at home in front of the well, TV. He has jokes about having sex with the Olsen twins. He does. When, when, when they're like three. <laughs> Which I'm sure he didn't actually do, but... No, but that's why it's funny. Are you a fan of Entourage? I never had HBO, so I never really saw it. Entourage, I didn't get into until the last season, because I finally looked on my own and got HBO, but I went back and watched all of it. And he cameos as himself in some of the episodes of Entourage, but like a sarcastic, yeah. really out there version of himself, where he's like got hookers on both arms and he's snorting coke and doing all this oh. awful awful stuff and um he like shows up at the main characters like house that they all share and oh, it's like he's just he... a total degenerate version of himself it's <laughs> awesome 
Uh, but it makes you wonder actually how much of that is fallacy and how much is based in truth. Yeah. <laughs> same. I had the same experience. Um, my friend uh, Steve Query, who I know he listens to some of these episodes. So hello, Steve, if you're listening. Hi, Steve. He had us watch it at his house, and I'm pretty sure he made us watch it with his dad. That's the, awkward. The aristocrats. That's awkward. And his dad, Dan. Super cool guy, so he's that kind of dad. But I, I don't remember. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. If I'm, if I, if I have that wrong, I'm sorry, Steve. But I just remember watching that movie and like, okay, whatever. The aristocrats. I mean, like, in awe, like just in awe of how funny and just fucking. Oh, who was her? The woman on that. Um, Phyllis Diller was the dirtiest one. She was. <laughs> she was really. really <laughs> and you, you hear the words coming out of her mouth, and you're like, like, oh what? my god. And then I kind of went backwards and like, I. You know, a good thing for Bob Saget, if you, do you ever listen to the Nerdist podcast? I do subscribe to that, yeah. He does, a, there's a Bob Saget episode where him and Chris used to be old drinking buddies. I need it's to go really back good. and look at that. Yeah. You know, you're the, you've, uh, you listen to our show and still agree to come on. I do listen to the show. Well, I do. thank you. <laughs> you know. What else do you listen to podcast-wise? Because I know we always talk at work about uh, it. Let me look at my iPhone right now. I don't listen to a lot, but I do have. I feel like it comes like you can only pick like five or six to follow at a time. So, uh, number one, you can see right hey, that's there me. is Let's Chat, the show I'm currently on. It's going to be really weird listening to my own episode. It is weird. But I love the dynamic. I'm sad Mike's not here because the dynamic between you and Mike and the way you get your guests to just open up is so enthralling. Oh, we're so nervous. I always too. look for, like, I want a new one like every day. Me too. But I have to wait like three or four weeks between them, and as soon as it's available, I listen to it in the car when I'm driving to work or driving home, and it's just, oh, hey, it's so good. Do, do, is it just me, or does it make the commute so much better? It does. It's good. Normally, like, sometimes in the car, I listen to music. But a lot of the times in the car, I'm usually listening to NPR, because I like listening to talk yeah. and getting... I won't listen to regular talk radio, because it's so, like, conservative, and that I'm not about that. It's just ridiculous, and I want to like throw things through my radio. But NPR, I had to say sometimes, um, if I catch Rush Limbaugh, or um, actually, I was in Worcester for work for something, and I don't know why, I just tried to listen to Glenn Beck, and I know all conservatives are Glenn Beck, <laughs> but they're both such horrible human beings. They're just oh, awful. Yeah, I, I have to say, the Glenn Beck program, he wasn't. He was just mean. He's awful. He is an out. I mean, he's even talking about Repul- He's like oh, just a he's name mean caller. to everybody. He's the Repul- people he agrees with. Oh. He'd be like not even like Obama, but he'd be like, um, he's like that John McCain. He's an asshole. Oh yeah, like very personal. He character. says what like he attacks people per- Like I don't like George W. Bush, for example. A lot of people don't. Which a lot of people don't. But when I make fun of Bush, I'm making fun of. His policies and the way he handled his administration. Well, I don't I have anything. I, hey saw him, I saw him on Jay Leno a few months ago, and he is into painting now. And he painted Jay at, like a portrait of Jay and gave it to him. And like he's doing what is, the painting looked good. He's like personable. He seems like a nice guy. He seems like you know, like they said when the election season was around. Like he seems like a guy you want to sit down and have a beer. Yeah. And I agree with that. I don't personally bash him most of the time, but, you know, I don't agree with his policies. The radio hosts on either side that are just going to bash somebody's personally, unless I'm, like, if you come out and say, like, erect babies or something, yes, I'm going to hate you as a person. But Bush, I mean, there's conspiracy theorists that think that he orchestrated 9-11. He's not, first of all, smart enough to orchestrate 9-11. Wait till you're our last one. Mike might be one of those people. Really? Borderline. 
Oh, maybe Portland. Vladdy's not here. Yeah, um, I, um, no, they didn't orchestrate 9-11. I saw documentaries on Netflix yeah, I watched a lot of on both sides saying yeah. that it had to have been orchestrated and it couldn't have been, you know. There's that great quote about conspiracy theories. It's just like that uh, if, if they usually are born within the absence of truth. So, like, we know this much information on 9-11 and then there's this gap and then try, people try to fill it in. Well, with anything, like, um, a huge, I heard... Um, the Joe Rogan podcast, which I can only do sometimes because they're all like three-hour episodes. And Joe Rogan, I have to say, blows my mind because he's such a meathead. He is so smart. Yeah, it's weird. You don't expect it. So smart. Like he had Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophi- famous astrophysicist, on, and he just basically is trying to show him conspiracy theories and then uh, trying to convince Neil deGrasse Tyson that he just fucking rips him apart. Like, no, that's impossible. Here's why. I don't really buy into any conspiracy. No, me neither. But I see you have Marin on there. Yes, I have um, oh, NPR Snap Judgment, which I, I was. It was suggested, I think, in an article about like the you know, like twenty-five podcasts you have to subscribe to. So I did. I haven't listened to it yet. I do that a lot too. There's stuff you should know, which yeah. was also suggested, which I'll look through and just find an interesting topic. Like just yeah. looking here, the past three episodes are how online dating works. How the Spanish Inquisition worked and what happened at Kent State. So, if something's interesting, I'll listen you to it. You can listen to the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young song about <laughs> Kent State, and then you're done. And then you're done. That's, That's like four minutes. Uh, shot some people. I have WTF with Mark Maron. No, I like that podcast because Mark Maron's just kind of like let's slit our wrist and bleed together and cry. Yeah, and him and Louie, like you've seen Louie, right? Like they Man. have like this like feud in the show, Louie. But apparently that was a real thing because I listened to Louis. They cried. Um, episode of WTF, and they were actually like trying to make up and like saying, and, "Like I don't know why we weren't friends." It was Mark. Mark like, was the something dick. like something happened, and like uh, let's put it behind us now. Mark, Mark, Mark. Really... I, do you like Mark Maron? Because me and Mike always had this conversation. I mean, I don't know before. enough about him. I like him as an interviewer. Like we listen. I think the podcast is good. I love his podcast. I love his show. I've read his book. As a human being, I kind of hate him. I don't like him enough to listen to episodes that I don't care about. Like, yeah, if I, I don't like the guest, I'm mm-hmm. not going to listen. There's some people, I would, like, Seinfeld, I've watched every single episode of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, whether yeah. I care about the guest or not. We should come I'm back to that Seinfeld. topic, because you're the first person I ever met who watched that show. But uh, for the rest of my podcast, I have the Ricky Gervais podcast. How's that? That's good. I mean, he's a genius. Yeah. He's great. I have... NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, in case I don't catch it on Sundays when I'm at work. <laughs> We're so white. <laughs> Is that the same way? <laughs> NPR's Car Talk. Me and Victoria listen to Wait, Wait all the time. I have the Cult Cast, which is like an Apple, what's coming up. I'm kind of like a big Apple fan. Mm. So uh, they talk about the latest rumors with like updates to Apple yeah. and iPhones and Macs. You know what I love about Apple? That they do the, the filmmakers and their stores, and then they release them as free podcasts. So they get creators of like movies. Like the last one I listened to was um, it was, I see I don't care when things are released. So it was uh, Jeff, I got in this kick where I heard Mark Duplass, who I love, because I liked him on the league, and then I found out he was this incredible filmmaker. He made Jeff Lewis at Home, Cyrus, all those like I guess they call it like, Mumblecore. Him and his brother. Um, so it was like the cast of Jeff Lewis at Home on Meet the Filmmaker. Sponsored by Apple, and I was like, "You can go to this." I haven't seen that. I need to check that out. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed with all like behind the curtains, like 
behind the scenes anything. So that's why I like buying DVDs to watch yeah, the extras. Me too. Me too. Um, so I also my phone's gonna die, so I want to get through these. I have oh, the sorry. Nerdist, which is good. Here's the thing with Alec Baldwin, which also that's plays on NPR. I got into that not as a podcast originally, but I think it was last Christmas. NPR was doing like marathon yeah. for five hours straight. You heard Jerry Seinfeld on there? I mean, I did. Alec Baldwin's voice is so. Can you do an impression? I I, I try. I'm terrible. He's just like a really like, kind of sexy whisper. Really, you done. That was really bad. But he just he's he's talking at a normal level, but it sounds like he's whispering, and I think that that's fantastic. He's got such a good Rosie radio O'Donnell voice. Really, Donald. He's talking stand up. 1965. I know. I can't <laughs> do it. He, he's very very. Um, I I like him. We'll uh, not talk about how he like went off crazy on his. Uh, daughter on the phone and yeah. how now suddenly he wants to be out of the public eye which he does like every six months and then yeah. he's in something well, new. But you know, you could like someone's I mean, show and not like the person. fantastic. My favorite podcast, however, is The Tobolowski Files. Who you've emailed. I did email him. And he wrote back. And he wrote back. Stephen Tobolowski, for those who don't know, is a really good character actor. He's um, currently on Californication. This coming season of Californication is going to be the last, which makes me really sad because it's like probably one of the greatest shows of all time. Uh, but he plays um, a really good character on there. So that's how I came to know him. And then I realized he's been in everything. He's been in movies just for five minutes. He's been in movies for the whole time. He was in Caddyshack back in the day. Uh, but he does this podcast, and he's got this really unique speaking voice. Mm. He's from Texas, so he has a little bit of a drawl, and he speaks really slowly and articulately, and he remembers such great details. So his podcast started from he recorded himself telling a story from his childhood. I think it was Dangerous Animals Club, I think it was called. And that became the first episode of his podcast. And he's also written books and stuff too, but his speaking voice is so good. And that's another thing I found on NPR. And I was like, I know that voice from somewhere. Where do I know that from? And then I looked it up and found out that he was a guy from California. I was like, oh yeah. But um, he's so good. So he remembers these details about his life, and he tells the most amazing stories just about his life, getting started, stuff when he was a kid, getting into acting, his marriage. Uh, so I did. I emailed him. Uh, Chris, you and I were at work, we, we actually. We listened to him. He, uh, he's a rock on tour. The guy was just lost in his story. Oh, he's so good. And we listened to a, uh, an episode or two at work, <clears throat> and then... While working, in case our boss... While was working, yes. We were working... Um, but we had it on while we were typing and doing paperwork and whatever, and it's just so good. And at the end, he gave his email address, which he didn't used to do, and he has to spell his name because nobody apparently can spell Tobolowski. So it really stuck in my mind that he had given out his email address, and it was just his name dot his name at gmail.com, I think. But I decided, what the hell? I'll email him. So I emailed him, short and sweet, just said. I'm a really big fan of your show. I came to know you from Californication and have since realized that I know you from other things. And how do you remember all these things? And will you be back this year on Californication? Because his character is getting divorced from you know, the character he's married to. So I don't know if he'd be back. But he answered. And he said, basically, thank you for being a fan. And uh, I will be back this year on Californication. And I remember all the details of my stories because I kept detailed journals all through my life. And I go back wow. and read through them. And so that's how I know. So and that was amazing. I, did, I, I shamelessly tried to email back again and say, <laughs> well, 
since you're so gracious and responded, do you want to uh, send me an address or something I can ask for an autograph picture from? And I never got a response to that, but I did get one response from I have a knack for running into celebrities. I was just going to say that you mentioned um, you met the Goo Goo Dolls a lot. A few times, yeah. At uh, work. <clears throat> what, now, do you want to share that story of how you got their guitar? Because that was so heartwarming. Sure. Um, I had never met them before, and they've been my favorite band for uh, a long, long time. When I was growing up, I was super into country and nothing else. And then when wait, I wait, hold on. Let's backtrack. <laughs> really? Super into country. Now, is that how you grew up in Webster? I grew up in Webster. And that's like northern, northeastern Connecticut, Rhode Island border town? Yep, it's um, right to the west of Douglas, which Douglas we sits had, exactly on, I think Jamie explained this in your Geek We episode. had a guest from Douglas. Yeah, so Jamie in the Geek Girls episode, go back and listen, explained how Douglas is right on the Mass Connecticut, Rhode Island border. Webster is just to the west of Douglas. They touch. Okay. So, a lot of country. I grew up in Webster. It's a small town. It's got an interesting dynamic because... Half of the town is so rich, nobody will be able to touch them. We have a, a huge lake called... Oh, wait. Please tell me, because I, I don't even believe you when you say it. It's Lake Shargagagag, Manchagagag, Shabanagagamag, which basically, loosely translated, it's an old Native American name, means I fish on my side, you fish on your side, nobody fishes in the middle. Because there's like three ponds that connect to make the big lake. So, say there's... Shargagagog, Manchagagog, Shabanagagamog. That's not a joke. That's not a joke. It's the longest place name in the United States and the second longest place name or third longest in the world. Is number one Lake Titicaca? No, that's shorter. I know. I just <laughs> you just to... wanted to say Titicaca. <laughs> yeah, but... I just wanted to say it. <laughs> so all of the houses along the lake, which everybody just calls Webster Lake, by the way, and there's 26 G's in that. I learned how to spell it for a contest in third grade, and I think I still remember this. Speaking of Jason Bateman, he has that uh, new movie about spelling bees coming out. I can't wait to see Bad that. Bad words? That kid, that little Indian kid, looks I so know. funny. Like, I well, I'm to, not going to do the impression, but... I want to derail <laughs> you. You seem really I fun really, because I to derail you a little. I really wanted to see that. I know, because I love Jason Bateman. I love when he plays an asshole. He's really good at it, which he, is weird. I, oh, he's a great he actor. He seems like he'd be like super sweet, but... You know he was in Teen Wolf 2? I have not seen that. Yeah, no one did, because it was terrible. Because, you know, Teen Wolf, Michael J. Fox is the teenager who turns into a wolf and wins the basketball game. I also didn't see that. Oh, it's really bad in the <laughs> 80s. And somehow they made a second one. But Jason Bateman, it's one of those fun facts. That's really neat. If you ever don't... You know, don't even waste your time. Don't even bother watching. No, I shouldn't. I yeah. should just know that it happened. Just know it happened so you can bring it up, and then they say, oh, do you remember this part? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> I didn't actually watch it. What do you think I am? <laughs> I'm 29. I'm not going to watch Team Wolf 2. <laughs> I don't have time for this. <laughs> I do have time, and I'm not going to use it for that. Um, yeah. Back to the manager. Yeah, back to the question. Um, so Webster is really weird. There's a rich part all around the lake, and like the school street area is more wealthy. I was born to a single mother that still lived with her mother. She was 16. We grew up in the projects, so I could be the subject of any rap song about rags to riches, because I literally lived that. But um, she got married to my dad, the only guy I know, like, as my dad. He's my dad. Uh, when I was, like, three, I think. And, um, you know, he came from a kind of well-to-do background and showed up, like, he owned a condo and we moved in there and had a different kind of life. So I experienced two sides of Webster, but anyway, 
Webster is known for, besides the lake, there's a place called Indian Ranch, which is on the lake, which primarily hosts country concerts during the summer oh. on Sundays. It's a really cool place. It's unlike any concert venue you've ever been to before. You go, and they have like a campground there, like old retired people buy these RVs or trailers, basically, and live there year-round, or they can just live there in the summer if they want to. Wow. So it's like a campground, like an Indian campground. And then you can go into the concert venue, and there's a stage with seating. It probably only seats like a thousand people, maybe less. It's really small, but it's outside, like a small outside uh, amphitheater. But you can also like go swimming. They have their own like beachfront on Webster Lake, so you get there early. When I was a kid, I'd go to people I didn't even care about because my aunt or my uncle or somebody was going. And you'd go there in the morning, they have barbecue grills, you'd barbecue all day, you'd go swimming, you'd get out for two hours, watch a concert, and then you'd stay for another two hours and go swimming again and buy gifts and barbecue some more. So it was cool. So yeah, I uh, was mainly into country when I was little. And then I got made fun of enough about it. I think by eighth grade, I went to Catholic elementary school. So we had a uniform, but on dress down days, which they called the days we could wear normal clothes, I showed up in like a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And <laughs> I wanted to see a photo. I was just, I don't know if I have one, but I was a little like country bumpkin, which is funny. My mother had died at that point, and she liked country, but she also liked pop and rock and everything else. My dad, strictly like an old rock guy, mm -hmm. Hank Floyd and The Who and all that kind of stuff. Stuff so, Mike listens to. But my aunt and my uncle on my mother's side, they're all into country at the time, so that's all I listened to, and that's, I hung out with them just as much as I hung out with my dad, so. That's what I was exposed to. Eighth grade, I had had enough. I heard the song Black Balloon by the Goo Goo Dolls on the radio. Good song. And I just had to keep hearing it. And of course, it sounded like this sweet, like, whatever, like kind of a fun, poppy song. But then I um, was told, actually, by a classmate, I don't know how they knew about this when we were in eighth grade, but she was like, you know, that song's about heroin. What? I was like, is it really? So I went back and researched, and then... A couple of years later, they were on Storytellers and told the story anyway. But basically, uh, the bass player, Robbie, was married to a girl who was addicted to heroin. And it's unclear, because they don't really give out too many details, whether she actually died or was close to dying or what. But Johnny, the lead singer, wrote this song kind of about that. So it's about a person who's addicted to heroin and pregnant. So that comes the line, um, scattered like ice from the spoon that was your womb ice on the spoon is heroin. Black tar heroin comes in a black balloon. That's why it's called black balloon. Oh my god. And scattered like ice from the spoon that was your womb. Womb, pregnant, the baby died, whatever. So it's a really dark, deep song, which I didn't know it when I was so in eighth pretty. grade. But it was really like, that story just made it such a beautiful song. So I remember buying the album, and Iris is on that album too, which was a huge hit, but I didn't know that because I was in the country, so I wasn't listening to Iris, the song from City of Angels? <clears throat> yes. That's how I knew about them. That came out on City of Angels first, then they released this studio album a couple months later or something. Decided to include it along with the others. What was their original name? The Sex Maggots. That's right. Yeah, the Sex Maggots. Because they um did, if anyone wants to shit on them, before you can always shut them up, because like, they got uh, early tours with the replacements, who have all the credibility in the world. They were... Um, they're from Buffalo, New York. They were a really thrashy, like, punk garage band at first. They started in 1986, which is when I was born. So, uh, Robbie the bass player was the original lead singer. Their first album, 
he's the only one on vocals. And he's got a more, very more like uh, nasally pop punk like voice. Starting with the second album, he encouraged Johnny to start writing and singing. Johnny's got two songs on the second album. The third, fourth, fifth album, they're about equal. And then Name happened on the fifth album. That was their first like foray into mainstream. And then Johnny kind of took over. Now, the past few albums, Robbie only gets two songs, which are still really like punky, hard kind of songs. And Johnny's the master of like songs that make ladies want to drop their panties, basically. But um, yeah, so they were always compared to the replacements. They sound a lot like the replacements. And I was actually on the way down here listening um, to some of their old stuff on my iPhone through the car stereo. He wrote a song with Paul Westerberg from The Replacements, the lead singer. What? Um, who was his idol. They, so you're the one that died? They, he didn't die, no. Someone from Replacements committed suicide. He's still alive, but... Um, oh, wow. He was Johnny's, like, hero. He was, to Johnny, what Johnny is to me. Mm. Superhero, except I don't play the guitar, so... Probably more so of a hero. And um, Johnny wrote a song called We Are The Normal. He wrote all the... Um, instruments and didn't write the lyrics and he asked Paul Westerberg because the Google Dolls opened for the replacements on the replacements final US tour and Johnny asked Paul if he'd write a song with him and said I already have the music I need the lyrics Paul Westerberg wrote the lyrics and mailed the, and sang them over Johnny's music and mailed it back to him and they put it together and it's this beautiful song with like string opening and the acoustic guitar all the way through and really passionate so that's a really cool song so back to how you got the guitar, because I yes. derailed you. So anyway, <laughs> back to the original point. Um, so I had liked them for probably 10 or 12 years at this point, and had been to maybe 20 shows, but hadn't gotten to meet them yet. And um, I went, it was at Hampton Casino Ballroom in Hampton, New Hampshire. Um, so they're having a food drive, I found out, ahead of the show, and whoever donated the most amount of food got a meet and greet with the band and I was like I've liked them for so long I have to meet them so I'm gonna donate the most food so I had bought two tickets for the show but the girl I asked to go with me like canceled on me last minute so I went up there alone in my little tiny convertible I had at the time with the whole trunk like zip tied down with bags of food I went to my neighbors I went to the people at work everybody I could think of to get canned goods and ramen noodles and anything non-perishable to bring so I would win because I had to meet them Rolled up there by myself, unloaded the food, gave it to the people volunteering uh, in front of the concert hall. And um, so they basically said, you know, we count it as it comes in. It'll come in right up until like an hour before the show. And then give us your phone number, and if you want, we'll call you. So I did that, and then I sold my extra ticket on the street for some extra money. And went to lunch with some new friend I had just met that likes them or whatever. So then I'm on the phone with my buddy Paul from AAA that I worked with at the time, telling him that I was there and whatever else. And I'll, I knew I heard Johnny Resnick's voice talking. I could hear it. So I just like hung up the phone while my friend was talking and looked up and there's this balcony. There's these stairs going up to like this metal rail balcony, which is the green room uh, at the casino ballroom, which is where the um, act was hanging out, I guess. But, so Johnny smokes. So Johnny was outside smoking a cigarette with his extra touring guitarist, Brad, up on this balcony, like right on the boardwalk at Hampton. I looked up and I was just like in awe. So I was like, 
should I say something? Shouldn't I say something? Like, I didn't want to be rude and interrupt, but I felt like I had to say something in case I didn't win the meet and greet. So I was like, Johnny, Brad, hi! Like, totally, like, wicked dorky. I'm sure I looked like a little imbecile. But, uh, Johnny was like, hey, man, what's going on? I was like, nothing. Hey, I donated a whole bunch of food to your, like, food drive, and I really hope I get to meet and greet with the band. And he was like, well, we're meeting right now, aren't we? And I was like, well... It's not the same without the other guys in the band, too. I'm like, I need, like, photographic evidence that we met. <laughs> and he's like, well, you got a camera? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, come up here. Oh, my God. So I went up the stairs, literally stood there, smoked a cigarette with Johnny Resnick and Brad Fernquist, their touring guitarist. And we chatted for, like, five or so minutes, took a picture, which I have on my Facebook. And then he said, how much did you say you donated? And I told him, I don't remember what it was. It was literally thousands of items. It was like... I'm pretty sure you won. He's like, most people, I think the most ever was probably like a couple hundred items from one person. So he's like, I'm pretty sure you won. You might even be number one of all time. So he's like, I'm going to look into that. And if it is, I got a present for you. So sure enough, I won. I got a phone call. I won. I went and got my wristband. I went in ahead of time with like fan club members and stuff that I meet and greets too. So it was kind of a rushed along process. But I walked into a room and they had me hold a sign saying I was the USA Harvest winner. And Johnny pulled me aside and was like, so uh, I knew I'd see you again, and you did donate the most of all time, so I'm going to do something special for you. When you get out of here, my tour manager is going to take your information, and I'm going to send you a custom Gibson Les Paul that I'm going to design for you. And so he said, give it a couple months, because i got to design it, they got to build it, they got to send it to you, but we'll do that for you. So. What color? It's cherry red, oh, like dark God. cherry red. It's actually an Epiphone, not a Gibson, but I mean, Still. I got a rock star paying for it. So those, <laughs> that's that's a, but those are beautiful. And I don't play guitar. Yeah. It's beautiful. Cherry red. He Classic. signed, instead of signing the pick guard on the front, he signed the guard on the back, like that you take off to access the strings or whatever. So gorgeous. Um, so that's, that's the story. I've met them since then. Um, a few times, I won meet and greets a couple of times. They met, and they remembered you once, right? They remember. They don't remember my name. This but is why you shouldn't hang out. Invite me to your birthday parties, and I'll remember you telling me you're drunk because <laughs> I'm sober, and then I'll bring it up on a podcast. Yes. Good thing this is all positive I met them stuff. since then, um, and they remember me. They don't remember my name, which is weird because Topher is kind of yeah. memorable, but. That day in Hampton, I actually got to meet Johnny three times. Cause I, oh, wow. On the balcony, then the meet and greet with the band, and then afterwards they signed autographs by their tour bus. And I was like, remember me? He was like, how could I forget you? Like, That's really like, cool. Like, I'll get you that guitar. But I met them in um, Connecticut twice at two concerts. Where in Connecticut? Do you remember? I met them once at Mohegan Sun yep. and once down at um, some college in Southern Connecticut. They did a college show in like a gymnasium. Southern, like, was like it Southern Connecticut University? Oh, yeah, New Haven. Yep, I know. So, that's CSU. Um, that's my Yeah, opinion. I got to meet them a few times since then. The very last time I met them, I just asked Johnny quickly, like, do you remember me? And he was like, of course, man. But who knows if he actually did. He was like, you still uh, causing trouble with the ladies or something like that? And I was like, oh, yeah, always, you know. <laughs> that's really cool to hear that. I like... I don't think until I met you was I remembered I actually used to like them a lot. You know, there was a radio band I never, and then we were in your car doing something one time we were traveling, and he played a song, I was like, this is the Blue Dolls? It yeah. was really dark. 
they're really, the thing I like about them is they're eclectic, and people that know them from the radio don't realize how deep they are because they hear, like, slide, which, even still, it sounds like happy, poppy, whatever, but it's, it's like a dark, like, yeah. Catholic, schoolgirl, like, I'm pregnant, we're not married, do we get married, do we run away, am I going to have an abortion, what are we going to do, but everything seems kind of on the surface, if you don't read into it, a little poppy, but... Mm. My favorite song, all of my favorite songs of theirs are B-sides that weren't on the album. So yeah. So good. And consistently, now they just released their 10th album and they're so good. I still. bet people don't even know they're still a band. A lot of people are surprised, although every concert I go to, whether it's summer in huge amphitheaters or like winter concerts in small places, they're always sold out. Everybody's having a good time. So they're definitely a good band that's come out with business, because I think that's like the trick is to get top 40 and then maintain your like core fan base, and, like, they have a career. They've been they a band since, like, 80s, like, you know. 86. They got famous, really, in 95. So they've been, a lot of people disowned them. They were, like I said, a Buffalo mm -hmm. punk garage band. Yeah. And when they had that, the album that Name is on, every single other song is, like, a hard electric guitar, thrashy, pop rock, like, thing. And then that's the only acoustic kind of sweet song. And everybody, all their original fans, were like, you fucking sold out, you're famous now, fuck yeah. you. But they gained even more fans since then, so Good it's great. Like, they're always a little below the radar. Some people still are like, I know that song, I don't know who does it. Um, they had a really huge moment like in the 90s, but they're still around now, they're still relevant, they're still selling. So not a lot of bands from the 90s. Are they're really... I mean, it, when I think of bands from the 90s, and that was my era when I like grew up, yeah. that are still together now, being relevant, Goo Dolls with 10 albums, Third Eye Blind, who I love, and they're lyrical geniuses, but they've only put out four albums. They, they'll wow. wait six or seven years before albums and put one out. Because then they're singer, he's a producer as well, <laughs> right? Stephen Jenkins, he does a lot of stuff. Including, <laughs> he used to bang uh, Vanessa Carlton. Yeah, he Carlton. produced her. So a lot of high-profile things, but... Um, Mm. Yeah, a lot of the bands from the 90s aren't relevant anymore. Foo Fighters is another one that is. You think Foo Fighters would have been Foo Fighters if it wasn't, like, the guy from Nirvana and the other guys from Sony Day Real Estate? Like, that's how they got their, their fame. I, mean, I think good. Dave Grohl's really the genius yeah. man. Foo Fighters was supposed to be just him yeah. continuing Nirvana without Kurt Cobain, basically. Yeah. And then it grew into its own thing. Yeah. But I think it's important when people do things outside of the band. Like Johnny from the Goo Goo Dolls has done songs on his own for movies. They just I just heard the other day actually. There's this like electric, electronic band called Cash Cash. Have you heard of them? No. They're kind of like a dubstep electronic group. A couple of like teenager twenty something kids that are brothers. Their last name's Cash. That's how they get their name. Uh, but they asked Johnny to write a song with them. And they oh, wow. just put it out on YouTube or something, and I listened to it. It's going to be on the album. It's not out yet, but it's a bunch of electric, like, dance music, and then Johnny Resnick singing. And it's so perfect and beautiful. And people are going to hear that on the radio, because it's going to be a single. And they're going to be like, is this a Google song? Is this, like, something yeah. that people, they're going to say cash, cash? And that opens it to, like, a younger generation that might not have listened to them. So... That's cool. He was produced, too. He produced for Ryan Cabrera. And I don't remember him. Asher Simpson's boyfriend. Yeah, he produced for um, Ani DeFranco, I think. They're both from Buffalo. Oh, is she? Ani DeFranco is, yeah. I did not know that. Um, they have their own recording studio in Buffalo that they own that they let kids come in and 
they don't make a profit on it. They just oh, wow. let kids come in for a day and record and release albums. Uh, they have their own label. They're not signed to their own label. They're with Warner Brothers, but Smart. they have a small label called Good Karma Records that they put out. A lot of J-pop, a lot of Japanese uh, pop, a lot of local Buffalo bands, and they let the kids come in and use their studio. It's really cool. That's awesome. I always wonder that about musicians when you meet them in, in, like, in their 40s, 50s. Like, you have to make your income elsewhere because it's either touring or you have to own something. It's mainly from touring, I think, is what I've heard because Excellent. record companies front you money to make your album, but then nobody buys albums anymore. Everybody's touring and doing whatever, but you tour, you get a portion of your ticket sales, you get a set amount of money just to be there from yeah. the venue, you get all the revenue from t-shirts and everything else. So. And the new shitty thing that big labels were trying to do is like the 360 deal where they would take money out of like your ticket sales, your merch. It's all different. Because I have two of my cousins are musicians. One's a touring musician, but I think she does like movies for music for movies now. Or I'm not exactly too sure, but I, it, I, it's just hard. I, I know I'm such someone who needs a stable like career and income. Like I've never been able to. You gotta have balls to go out like that because like actors or you know, there used to be a great show that. I don't know why they don't make it anymore, but Behind the Music on VH1. I love that show! There are so, like, I, I have, obviously, I have the Goo Dolls episode on my computer, but <clears throat> almost everybody on there is, like, started with nothing and then got big. People nowadays, like Miley Cyrus and stuff, just happen to know the right people and their daddy was whoever and they got yeah. big, but real bands, like, that started back in the day, whether it was people from the 50s up until today, started, like, in a van and playing bars and playing shitty games yeah. to two or three people, ten people, because they loved it. And they were sleeping in their car and yep. crashing on friends' couches and didn't have a place because they cared about the music. And that's, you know, you have industry. to have a passion and a lot of balls to do that. I couldn't, I've been, you know, jobless before and interviewed with, like, Aflac or something where yeah. it's all commission-based. And I'm like, I can't no, I'm not going to do that. I need to have a set budget and a set thing. If I make bass plus commission, that's fine because I'll budget yeah. on bass. But I can't. I was a car salesman for a couple months uh, I when I lived in Chicago. But you lived in Chicago? I did. For how long? For uh, four or five months. What's it like out there? I've never been. It's cold. Where's good to eat? Let's get real. I mean, I lived right outside of Chicago, actually, in a town called Kankakee. Um, but I went into the city all the time. I had a friend from high school, my best friend from high school, Mike, moved out there as soon as we graduated, and I went on to Worcester State, and I had a girlfriend, and everything was going good, and then I lost my girlfriend, and decided to take a year off from school, and all this stuff happened, and my dad was like, you know, you can either start paying rent here, or get your own place, and I was like, yeah, I think it's time to get my own place, so I called Mike up, and I was like, you got a two-bedroom, right? And he was like, yeah. I was like, I'm moving to Chicago. Oh, that's He's so like, cool. He's like, come on out. So I went, and uh, the idea of it and the kind of romanticism about it was better than actually living there. The first week or ten days or something was amazing. My, one of my best friends, Shayna, who lived here still at the time, went out there with me. We all went to high school together. And she stayed for the week, and every day we went out and did stuff, and went to the city and went to the top of the Sears Tower and had dinner in the city and That's cool. Really hung out and had a good time. Once she went home, reality set in when Mike was like, You gotta get a fucking job and you gotta pay rent and you gotta do all this stuff and I was like, ah shit. So he worked at a Honda dealership and got me an interview with the um, boss there. 
And I was a terrible car salesman because I can't screw people. I can't be dishonest. So they basically would tell you you had to go to the manager when somebody like traded in a used car to hear the very top number you could give people. And they were screwing people left and right, giving them lowballing them on their old cars and then highballing them on new cars and not coming down on price. And I couldn't do that. And it can be lucrative, you know. I yeah. worked there for like three weeks or something, and. You know, my first commission check was a couple thousand bucks. Like, oh. we don't make a couple thousand bucks working a week now, but <laughs> I sold like two cars, made two thousand dollars, and then blew it all in like two days because I figured I'd sell two more cars and get two more yeah. thousand dollars. But then I didn't. I didn't sell any cars for the next two weeks and had no money. So you can't. That's not for me. No, I need a budget. I need a plan. I need. I'm like my friends will yell at me all the time. Like. What do you mean we can't go out to eat because it's not in your budget? I'm like, listen, I budgeted 50 bucks for this day period to go out to eat. I'm over the 50 when I'm going out to eat. Unless you want to pay, then we'll go. Going out to eat is kind of, that's like one thing I always like spend more than I need to on. I spend a lot of money on going out to eat and on good clothes because I've seen the quality difference. I've bought shirts at Walmart and they literally last 10 washes and then they're worn out in the armpits. So. And they're made in China. Good food and designer clothing and accessories and a nice car. I like that kind of stuff. So let's get to the uh, wrap up part. When I first met you, because we are coworkers, you were living in Worcester. Worcester. I always shit on Worcester, but you lived there, so you saw the real Worcester. There's more to it. I love Worcester. Give me the good stuff about Worcester, good places to eat, and why someone like me should not stop making fun of it so goddamn much. Listen, Worcester gets a bad rap mainly from, like, the 80s and the 70s and old stuff that's still residually going on. They covered up the downtown by building a huge outlet mall that should have never fucking been there that closed off roads and was a monstrosity and nobody ever shopped at that mall. They tried to make it work for 30 years and it wasn't working. So now they're doing this project called City Square where they're incrementally tearing down that mall, building some new buildings. They reopen Front Street that goes across the middle of the mm -hmm. city. And when it's all said and done, it's gonna be new restaurants, new retail space, like outdoor retail, luxury and affordable housing. So that's gonna bring a lot more life into the city. I read an article recently that said like Worcester's like the up and coming city mm -hmm. that you wanna get into now before all this is done and prices skyrocket. But Worcester's like any other big city. It has neighborhoods you want to avoid and neighborhoods that are great. Shrewsbury Street is fantastic. There's so many restaurants and bars and like nightlife. So where would you recommend people go in Worcester to eat? Uh, there's a lot of places. We always talk about food in this podcast. The Boynton is my favorite place. That's on Highland Street. Um, it's a great, it's kind of a dual restaurant. It's like a pizza place. On one side, you can get takeout pizza, and they have pizza on the menu. But it's a full-service restaurant. There's a separate dining room, and there's a big bar. Um, you can get anything there. The other day, I went and got a chicken parm sub. You can get mm. turkey dinner. You can get burgers. You can get chicken parmesan. To go? You can get to go or to stay. I've been with her a lot. So it's why a really, really nice place. And they do a good business. It's like family owned. It's been there forever. So the Boynton's my go-to like kind of casual pub dining place. Via is excellent Italian food. I went there last year for Valentine's Day and had some of the best Italian I've ever had. Um, 
the sole, I don't like seafood, but everybody that does like seafood swears by the sole proprietor. Um, it's one company that owns 111 Chop House, which is the best place to go for steak. Ooh. Via, which is for Italian, and the sole is for seafood. All three of those restaurants are fantastic. I remember that. Those peppercorns, which is on or right off of Park Ave, they're really good. Any day on Shrewsbury Street is amazing. There's uh, Boulevard Diner is the best place to go. Everybody in Worcester that gets drunk at night and then goes, wants food, goes to Boulevard Diner. They're open 24 hours. It's an old Worcester diner car, never closes. They're known for diners. Aren't, are they, is the first diners from Worcester? The first diners are from Worcester. That classic like diner car with the doors on either side. Yeah. Inside, that's called a Worcester car. They were made, invented in Worcester, shipped all over oh. the country. Miss Worcester Diner, I don't think I've ever been to, but apparently they're always voted number one diner in the country. I think I know where that is. I drive by that. Well, I mean... That's on, like, Southwood Street, near the titty bars. <laughs> yeah, I actually was thinking, it's a bike strip club, yes. and it's five, and I'm um, I know Brandon, our former guest and friend, uh, always talks about Moe's. Um, is that I, a chain? Moe's is a chain, which like I haven't gone to. Regional chain, maybe. I'm not against... Chains, some chains I really like, but I'd rather go to local spots and get more unique yeah. food. But Worcester is just, if you, we see, because of the job we do, if we have to go to Worcester, we're in the worst parts. We're in the yeah. South, which is like the poorest, poor, <laughs> very ethnically diverse, poor people. There's a lot of crime, the pip shelters over there. But that's only one small section of Worcester that's... Salisbury Street area, like near WPI, is super rich. Huge, huge houses. I went to a house party there once. The guy owned a Lamborghini and like a huge Benz SUV, like tons of money over there. East Mountain Street, where I lived, was nice. That's the summit. It's like right next to Shrewsbury and Holden and West Boylston. Um, but there's so much history. If you go downtown and walk down Main Street during the day when it's light out and there's people around, the architecture is beautiful. The mm. buildings have such history. They've now started filming movies in Worcester. American Hustle. American Hustle was mostly filmed in Boston and Worcester. If you look any of the scenes, if you've seen it, where they're on the streets, when Bradley Cooper's walking down the street, and outside of uh, Studio 57, and all that, that was all Worcester, downtown Worcester. Um, There have been other movies, Union Station, or Train Station is historical and beautiful, and that's been in a couple, like, made-for-TV movies and a couple TV shows. It's just, there's... Great museums. The Worcester Art Museum was in American Hustle. Very good. Wicked nice. It's just um, strange about Massachusetts. That, like Boston is like the pride and joy, and then the rest of the state outside of that area, they kind of forgot about like Springfield specifically. <laughs> well, Springfield is now what Worcester used to be. Springfield and Lowell oh. are the places nobody wants to go. Yeah. And they both have their own merits. I don't know that much about Springfield besides that Six Flags is right next door in Agawam, oh, yeah. and the big E's so do you remember that was Riverside growing up? I do remember yeah, Riverside. Too. I used to go there all the time. Me too. Uh, Lowell, I actually, my aunt is on vacation in New Hampshire right now, and she wanted me to look up things for her to do on her way home to Fitchburg. And I said, everything that I can find for you to do is in Lowell. I Googled it, like stuff to do, and everything's in Lowell. Lowell has things that I didn't even know they had. They have like a textile museum and like a streetcar oh. museum and all this other stuff, but nobody thinks of that because... It's so crime-ridden and this and that. For me, it's just so north of where I would be in Mass. Like, it is north, but... Because we don't I live mean, in that area. Those are our major cities, but Massachusetts, yeah. I'd never want to live anywhere else. I tried the Chicago thing for a little while, but Mass is just... The Four Seasons are beautiful. Everything yeah. is beautiful. 
You have Metro West and Boston for the more bustling, like, busy areas. West I've West always gorgeous. grown up in Southern Worcester County, which is, like, your quaint, small New England towns. Like, Webster, even though Webster is bigger now and it's more commercialized and there's more chains, it's still, like, a nice, quaint little downtown with brick buildings. We have yeah. a lake, you know, it's kind of like... Well, would you quintessential New England? Okay. Not so much as Western Mass, but would you agree with the statement when people talk about um, New England pride, they're really talking about people from Massachusetts? Because I'm from Connecticut, and no one gives a shit about New England. Like where I grew up, we didn't talk about it as New England, and it's very self-deprecating. People in Massachusetts have so much pride. Connecticut Sucks. is kind okay. of the anomaly of New England, because people in Connecticut, depending on where in Connecticut they live seem to side more with New York, yeah. especially Southern Connecticut. They all root for the Yankees and mm-hmm. go to New York instead of Boston on the weekends, and they're all very New York kind of people. But um, Northern New England, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, is very old school, like... They use the words New England. Very quintessential New England. They all dress in L.L. Bean. <laughs> they all drive Volvos or Saabs. Or some kind of station wagon. They all live in cabins in the woods. They go hiking and do mountain things in the summer. They go skiing and do other mountain things in the winter. They're woodsy. They're resourceful. They wear the same shirt for 30 years because it's from Bean and it lasts forever. They all have beards. Like that's what I think of when I think of yeah, like really salt of the earth. Yeah, American. Except they have expensive cars. The Subarus are not cheap. A lot of them do. Subarus, Sobs, and Volvos is what they drive. With. Then you have Massachusetts in the middle, which kind of splits it. Western Mass is just like Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. So pretty up <clears throat> Central Mass out to Boston is like the same thing. Like city life, like more like yeah. we like New England, but we're more about like Boston pride, Boston sports teams, yeah. Boston strong, Boston this and that and the other thing. And then Rhode Island kind of gets in on that. Rhode Islanders are mostly Red Sox fans, Celtics fans, Patriots fans. Connecticut's that one anomaly in there that's like... We don't fucking care. I have family that grew that lives oh, yeah. near where you grew up in Cheshire. They grew up in Webster. My uncle took a job down there when my cousins were probably like eight and ten or something. So they mainly grew up down there. My older cousin Jenna couldn't wait to get out of Connecticut and back to Mass. She got married and moved to Norfolk. She's back yeah. in Mass. My other cousin's in Southern Connecticut still. I don't know if she likes it or not, but. Connecticut's just so uh, I'll shit on it all day. It's weird. Like, I know. Like people in Massachusetts, we have a lot of pride because if you look at any list anywhere, we're number one in education, number one in healthcare, number one in this, number one in that. We're the smartest state. We're the mo- sixth richest state, I think. We're the most resourceful state. Where this, that, and the other thing. Like really, it's a great place to be. People from Connecticut, if Massachusetts beat them, are like. Well, we side with New York. We're just as good as New York City. Like Connecticut <laughs> thinks they're New York City. Only the Fairfield County area. Yeah, they all think, think they're New York County. City. Oh, uh, well, you know, everybody in Massachusetts, if we summer somewhere, we summer down the Cape. Everybody from New York goes to Long Island. Fuck Long Island. Or Jersey Shore. Or Jer- Yeah, Jersey Shore. The Cape's where it's at. I, I grew up on the Cape, too. So the yeah, most right. beautiful places, in my mind, in New England are Boston. Cape Cod, Western Mass, and Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode Island made something. Love Newport. I have no pride. I love Providence, too. Although, I do, I have a small online shop 
I designed a few t-shirts like two years ago and Whoa. haven't even logged back in since then, but once in a while I'll get like a $30 residual check Whoa. in the mail. Uh, and one of the shirts I designed just says Worcester and then the greater than symbol and then Providence. Because <laughs> it That's was like hard. a Worcester-based shop. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to plug it, or is it even worth doing? I don't even know the address. It's you know, it's bookmarked in my computer, and it's just. I have a shirt that says "Wicked Pissa," and that's the one that usually oh, sells. Go give this Everybody buys people. that. But I'm gonna try. I'm looking for a residual like income, so I'm gonna try. If you uh, coming to plug it, make it its own Facebook page, and sell. Send me stuff. that information before we post it, so I'll put it in the front, so you can give you a little plug. I will try. All right. So, can you believe that's already been over an hour? I can't. I could do this all day. <laughs> oh, I didn't have to go to the bathroom so bad. Right? <laughs> keep going. All right, let's end this with the last question. Um, if you could watch your favorite movie again for the first time, because you know that feeling you get when you watch like that movie, the first time you see a movie that just like, that experience. You have, I'm sure you've heard this question. Um, yeah. What would it be? And I, I was actually trying to think about this on the way down. And... Oh man, it's so hard because I love so many movies. I watch so many movies and TV shows. It's like my big thing. I guess going along with the like Boston Pride thing, I'm gonna say The Departed. That's always the one that comes to my mind too. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It's Martin Scorsese. It's an all-star cast: Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Matt Damon. So many good people. But the first time I saw it, I remember I went to see a different movie, and there was a preview for that, and I was like, hey, I think that's Boston. And everybody was talking with Boston accents, and some of them sounded really good and authentic, because they are, like Matt Damon's, and other ones sounded horrible, like Jack Nicholson's, but that's okay, because he's Jack Nicholson. But I went to see it like four times in the theater, and each time saw something or caught on to something I didn't catch the first mm. time. Even now, I have the DVD, I probably watch it once every couple of months, I've seen the movie literally hundreds of times, and there's always something, whether it's an image or a piece of dialogue that I didn't get the first time. So to be able to go back to that first time and be like the departed virgin again and see it again would be amazing. Because then each subsequent time I keep learning more things. I, I, I agree with you. So good. I was going to try to do a Mark Wahlberg impression, but I, I'm afraid I'll screw it up. My favorite, I quote this movie all the time, right? And my favorite Mark Wahlberg line in the movie is he's interviewing Leonardo DiCaprio for uh, undercover like detective job. And he's like, you calling us cunts? We would not be good at what we do, would we? We would be cunts. <laughs> so good. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio looks like he doesn't know what to say. And he's just like, you're fucking off here, pal. <laughs> they say something. Do they mention Worcester in that movie? I think they do. They do. Leonardo DiCaprio picks up his... Uh, that, that actor, I love, but I don't know his cousin. Yeah, I've seen him in everything since then. He's I don't a great know who character he is, actor. He, the cousin's like, we're not supposed to be doing this shit this close to Worcester. This side of Worcester. I refer to him as not Mark Ruffalo, because he kind of looks like he, Mark Ruffalo. He looks like a really rough around the edge. But he's a really great actor. Oh, really good. Oh, Chris. Well, thank you for coming on. Come back. Tell your friends. Tell My your friends pleasure. to come on. Come do a special co-host episode. Bring a friend with you. I don't care. There's so much more I want to say. Yeah, I'll we, come back whenever you want. Any chance. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's chat again real soon. soon.